Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, June 17th, 2020. This is episode 114-114. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope you are ready. I am so excited about this one, guys. We've got an international sensation. Goes by the name of Jet Boot Jack. Hailing from the UK, I have over 20 of this guy's songs, actually. He is an aficionado for remixes. He is also a very talented original producer and is also a screenwriter and director as well. To say he's a multifaceted talent would still be cutting him short. This was such a fun interview. Like I said, he is in the UK, so we got to touch base on so many different types of things, differences between UK culture and American culture in the music world. His journey from a vinyl DJ and adjusting to the digital era. He is a legend, has been around for quite some time, guys. He also has a ton of different musical inspirations and influences, which we went pretty deep on as well. And of course, we talked about his goals for the future. Adriel, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really, really appreciate it. Guys, turn it up. You're going to enjoy this interview. Let's get into it right now. Episode 114 with Jet Boo Jack. <laughs> hey, well, cheers, my friend. I don't know if you got a drink, but cheers to you anyway. Oh, actually. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> there we go. Now we can get started. Yeah. Adriel, a.k.a. Jet Boo Jack. Yeah. Welcome to Sherman the Booth, my man. Coming to you live from Chicago. You're out in London. Yep. That's awesome. So cool to meet another international DJ. I've had a, a few international guys on before, and it's just such a pleasure to talk to someone at your level. So I really do appreciate taking some time. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. I've been following you for a few years now. I originally discovered you on SoundCloud. Yep. Um, I just looked, actually, before we got in the interview, I have 16 of your remixes and originals. Okay, fantastic. That's great. Yeah, 16. And as a house DJ here in Chicago, I play a lot of different types of events. And it's pretty rare where I can find one remixer or one producer where I am able to play in so many different types of sets. But your music really works for my style. So that's why I wanted to have you on for one of the reasons. But of course, I wanted to get um, you know, your full story and really hear how you got to where you're at now. Great. Fantastic. Well, I guess... Uh... Good, good place to start is is to say that you know that's very interesting what, what you're saying about uh, your sets because yeah when I started making the bootlegs it was for my own DJ sets mm -hmm. um, I didn't initially make them to, to give them away to the public I made them all for myself really? uh, yeah absolutely it was like my little exclusive own bootlegs that I could play out um, yeah. but because I was DJing at such a wide variety of venues um, to very, very diverse crowds. Um, yeah, I really wanted to try and um, find that middle ground between um, something that's familiar and something that's different. You know? mm -hmm. um, so uh, I always try and keep something, yeah, a little bit, little bit recognizable in the bootlegs, um, but uh, try and put, put my own twist on it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to get into your music production aspects. Um, cool. I do want to ask, you know, when it really got started for you in regards to DJing and producing? You're originally from England then, London? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm born and raised in London, uh, specifically in Camden, which is, uh, uh, you know, very rich musical history, uh, mm-hmm. which I appreciate very much. Um, I've got very uh, eclectic taste myself. Um, so when I was growing up as a kid, I, I mean, the first music I really started going out to was reggae, dub, dub reggae. Really? Uh, yeah, which which had a, a massive, massive influence on me. I mean, it's, it's where DJ culture really was born and, and came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's all about the sound systems. Um, you know, whoever's got the biggest sound system is, is the best <laughs> DJ. Um, and uh, I was going out to that from the age of 12, really, because I had older brothers um, who take me along to gigs and, and, and clubs um, and uh, just hearing I mean for me I, I played bass guitar from when I was 11 years old um, so bass has been a massive thing for me and, and when I went along to these double things and, and heard the bass and felt the bass I think that was the, the main thing you actually feel it you don't just hear it um, and that was really when I kind of fell in love with clubbing at that really young age um, and uh, just such a such a great experience and, and such a great scene. Dub reggae is very welcoming, and uh, you know, as I say, I was I was a little kid there, but there'd be you know older people and, and a lot of people. So how old were you? I was twelve at the time. I mean, it was you know, it's a, it's a very yeah because it's wow. a very, yeah. Uh, basically, the, the school I went to, um, there's a nightclub literally opposite the school, and, <laughs> and they used to do dub dub reggae on Thursday nights called Dub Club and uh, so I used to go, go down there and it was very um, relaxed you know they, they kind of you know obviously they knew I was underage but they let me in it's just very very yeah it's just very uh, very nice introduction um, and from there um, as I got a bit older I was very much into um, uh, early house music hardcore hip house um, obviously Prodigy were big influence on me um, and that whole sort of scene. So um, when I started going out clubbing with my friends rather than my uh, brothers, um, I first started going to hardcore uh, raves, um, which uh, was great. I really loved that. It's great music for teenagers because it's just so high energy and fast. Um, And from there, the the scene kind of evolved into jungle, which again was a huge thing for me. and, And kind of two worlds meeting because it's got a very big uh, dub reggae influence in jungle. It's kind of like hardcore meets dub reggae. Mm-hmm. So um, that really fit for me. Um, and then um, Garage, UK Garage came along and I kind of followed that as well. Um, now what, what, year did, what year did UK Garage really make a boom? So, I mean, it's, it's a very wide term, UK Garage. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, when people think about it, they're generally talking about sort of very late 90s into the early 2000s. Um, but when I was really into the scene, um, was more the mid 90s, um, which was when it was, it wasn't really, it, it was just called Garage. It wasn't UK Garage at that time. And, and most of it, not most of it, but a lot of it was American, um, Chicago. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, of course. It was, it was huge. Yeah. So um, that was kind of 
the first I mean it's it's what you would really call house now you know that early garage stuff is is basically house and so that was uh when I first sort of started going out to, to that um to you know because I, I think there was a, a big sort of uh it's very specific house music and then jungle and hardcore you know yeah, so yeah, yeah. it was quite a quite a switch um but i never sort of lost my love for for that the other music and you know still you see my records but i mean i've got a lot of, yeah it's impressive well that, that's not not all. <laughs> no, no, not, <laughs> yeah. um yeah so i was still buying records and, and djing um I, I, Mostly just with my friends in, in my bedroom, but then I got on a pirate radio station um, when I was pretty young um, and um, really DJing for um, part, you know, friends' parties and things like that. You know, um, the, the scene at the time was a lot more, uh, a lot less restricted in terms of um, sort of age restrictions and things like that. So you could you know, have a party in a, in a proper nightclub when you were 16 and, you know, no one really cared. Um, so, yeah, I found myself DJing at a few of these things. Um, very fortunate that, that one of the first parties I ever played at, um, the, uh, the the birthday boy um, hired in uh, Groove Rider, you know, big, big DJ uh, and uh, MCGQ. And so I had, you know, I had the pleasure of, Sort of DJ. <laughs> early on too, right? That was a, just a big milestone for you early in your career then. Well, it, I mean, looking back, it was big, but, you know, I was only 15 at the time or something, you know, so, yeah. But, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, sorry, it's my dog here. Can I say okay. um, and uh, so, yeah, just, just really cracked on with that. And then um, there was a, a very um, compact UK hip hop scene. I say compact because there weren't that many people around. It was kind of um, uh, a, a very small scene where everyone kind of knew each other and um, no one was really making any money. Yeah. Uh, and I, I started making hip hop beats at that point and um, working with some rappers. Wow. Um, very much um, sample based stuff, um, which would kind of uh, set me up for the future really um because then uh coming right out of that talking about sort of early 2000s now um i then started make, making house music and um that was a, a lot of that was inspired by um a dj called norman j mm -hmm. who's a uh my favorite dj ever and nice. uh, norman day yeah and uh he would have a sound system at carnival notting hill carnival um which is the for people who don't know it's the uh, second biggest carnival in the world biggest carnival in europe um and uh i used to go there every year i used to absolutely love it and uh as the as the music scene progressed so i would go first few times I would go to reggae and jungle and then garage started coming out so I'd go to garage sound systems and then when all those kind of faded away a bit um it, that's when I gravitated towards Norman Jay's um sound system which was something I'd never ever heard before which was that he was he was the first eclectic DJ I ever heard who who would play uh, he would play reggae he would even play a bit of jungle uh, but he would obviously play a lot of soul and funk and disco and house uh, hip hop, um, wow. 
to hear all of that in one set was just completely eye-opening to me. It was it was um, something I didn't even know was allowed. I didn't know it was possible. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, wow, I would love to be a multi-genre DJ, um, but kind of do it in my own way. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what I evolved into i mean as i say he, he was playing he was playing some really good house music at the time and uh that um kind of sparked my interest in house music uh specifically sort of disco house mm-hmm. um and so i started making some tracks uh collaborating with people sample based stuff mm-hmm. uh, and um after I wasn't doing it for particularly long with pressing vinyls and it was all going very well and um, and then Norman played one of my tunes on his BBC radio show um, like three weeks running and yeah and uh, for me that was the equivalent of like having a number one it was was, you know your favourite DJ to play your tune Uh, that was yeah huge huge thing for me I I could have retired at that point I was (laughs) happy I love that so yeah, that was a good time. It was, it was, it was, yeah, all, all going pretty well then. Um, and then obviously, the whole digital thing came along, and uh, the bottom fell out of the vinyl market, and it was kind of like right back to back to square one. You know, everyone kind of had to had to relearn, you know, just the, the industry and and uh, what they were going to do. And um, uh, this whole time, I was still DJing um, in in sort of clubs and bars. Um, and just uh, really moving with whatever the um, the, the uh, music of the time would be. So um, you know, funky house was big at, at that point, and um, uh, you know, just whatever people really wanted to hear was, was what I played. Yeah. Um, but I always kept going back to to disco and, and disco house. Um, and uh, then, I, I guess a few years ago, as I say, I started making all these bootlegs for, for myself. And actually, I should say there was another big moment, which was when I um, first heard uh, a producer called The Reflex, mm-hmm. um, who was um, as Liz, um, remixing tracks using the stems, mm-hmm. so the multi track stems. Right. So going back to the original track, the original elements, and he would rearrange them, put them together in a, you know, uh, in, in whatever you know way he wanted to do it. Um, and that was another big moment for me to to hear what could be done with stems. Um, and uh, it was, I think, there was one particular which was his remix of um, Stevie Wonder, Sir Duke. Uh, where it kind of just it drops all the drums out and it's just the, the you know the music and the vocals and I was like wow that's, that's <laughs> to be able to do that because it's all about for me it was all about sing along those sing along moments you know to really make the most of them mm-hmm. um, and uh, his his whole thing is um, that he doesn't add any additional elements so he just uses the stems he, he's very proud of the fact that he doesn't add any new instruments or sounds um he's just dealing with the stems i kind of wanted to come at it from a different angle and and uh try you know not be um not be so strict and and you know actually add things celebrate the fact that i was adding things uh, add instruments and add drums and and everything yeah Uh, and that's kind of 
the route I've gone down more and more, which is um, initially the first few uh, few bootlegs that I did, it was kind of only drums I was adding. Mm -hmm. And then as time's gone on, I've, I've been adding more and more uh, of my own instruments, my own sounds to um, to the, to my remixes. Um, I've noticed that. I've definitely noticed that. Yeah. Um, until it's kind of got to the point where I'm now kind of building my own uh, palette of sounds. Mm -hmm. I know. I think people kind of know what to expect. They know that, it, that it, chances are, if it's a Jet Boot Jack remix, it's going to be horn heavy. Um, you know, funky rhythm guitars, uh, funky bass, uh, and uh, and uh, kind of either disco drums or house drums. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then. Uh, then I started being asked to do more official remixes rather than bootleg remixes. Mm -hmm. And that was really nice because um, it felt like I'd kind of been working up to that with this whole thing that I'm just talking about, which is adding my own sounds and stuff. So I could then apply that to any track, you know, any uh, original track, not, not just um, well-known uh, classic tracks. Right. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. That's amazing. I appreciate uh, the storytelling there. It's pretty cool to see how far you've come, not only from an influence perspective, but actually from a skill set, music theory. I mean, you're someone who obviously truly cares about the music and is passionate about it for all the right reasons. So it's really cool to hear the development. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, for me, music theory is hugely important. Um, I was I learned classical piano from when I was uh, about seven years old. Yeah. Um, picked up the bass guitar first at, at, at 11 uh, and that was kind of the defining moment for me you know um, because before that it all been classical and jazz and then to actually um be able to to get into funk and uh, you know um and you know a bit of rock as well um that was, that was a huge thing for me um but yeah no i, I think um a, a lot of producers today don't know much about music theory and that's absolutely fine you know they, they do their thing and it's cool but um for for me i i'm very into um the whole theoretical side of it the whole almost philosophical side of it you know really sort of breaking music down and, and uh you know um just playing with it as well playing yeah. with it. Absolutely. You're, you're certainly perfecting your craft, too, too, uh, because you've released almost 100 remixes. Is that correct? Getting there? I'd say probably more. Probably um, more? Yeah. Uh, I've, I've not counted, but yeah, probably around that. I mean, I, I release one. Uh, I do one release a week, whether that's right. a, a bootleg or official remix or a, or a DJ mix. Um, but I would, yeah, I would think I'm probably, yeah. A, 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 <laughs> In tri triple digits, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's very impressive, sir. And, and you've had a lot of success remixing some of these artists, obviously, that you grew up on. You know, just some of the big names, Michael Jackson, NXS, Madonna, Stevie Wonder, Diana Ross. And you kind of explained this, but if you go a little deeper, although these are remixes, there's certainly a Jet Boot Jack sound. Disco House, really kind of how you defined it. Where does the inspiration come to actually pick a song to remix, though? Yeah, I mean that's that's a really interesting one. So um, it's, I mean, you're kind of dictated to by what's available. So yeah, where do you get all the stems and the vocals? It's it's very clean. I'm very impressed. Yeah. So I mean, for me, the vocal is the starting point. 
and um, if I can get an acapella of a track, then I'll remix it. Um, if the acapella is not available, then chances are I'm probably not going to touch it. It's um, you know I know a lot of people do remix tracks just by adding things to the original. I'd really like to have the freedom of having the, as you say, the clean cleanness there. Yeah. Uh, I, I am making original tracks um, using you know samples rather than um, multi tracks, uh, mm -hmm. rather than stems. Um, but if it's a bootleg remix with the you know the full track, then yeah, I'll I'll, I'll will work from the acapella, the original acapella as well. I know that a lot of people do resung things and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, I, I would much 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 rather use the original um, acapella. Um, and uh, I mean, as far as stems and multi tracks, you can find a lot online. Um, I think there's there's less than there used to be. I think. Um, there was uh, there was some forums like on Reddit and things like that, uh, which were people just swapping stems and stuff. Um, I think they got shut down, uh, but luckily I kind of downloaded a whole bunch of stuff before they did. Uh, but for me, it's kind of um, if the stem if you can't find the stems, then I just replay. I just replay things, um, and uh, I don't know. I'm kind of as as we kind of talked about. I'm kind of moving in the direction now where. Uh, I'd almost rather um, replay stuff or, you know, do stuff in my own way rather than sort of rely on the original um, stems that are there. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And it's great that you have a sound for, for remixes, obviously, too, right? Like anybody can remix a song, but to actually be able to tell a story, the Jet Boot Jack style, and people have acknowledged that they're having you do official remixes. You mentioned you've been producing originals. Have you always been producing originals kind of in the background and now you're comfortable with it or where are you at it sort of from a uh, production standpoint there? So I mean, a huge thing for me is time management. Um, the, I've got a lot of other things going on in my life. I, I, um, I'm also a, a, a screenwriter and a director. Yeah. A whole other you know, world which kind of intersects, but it, they're both very demanding worlds in in terms of time. Yeah. Uh, but there's no shortcuts in music or writing. <laughs> very uh, true, sir. So for me, it's kind of um, all you know. There, there's a million things I could work on today. What's going to be the most productive thing to work on? What's you know? Um, so in terms of the original productions, um, as I said, I was doing that. Um, almost 20 years ago now, um, when kind of Disco House first started to sort of take off. Um, and funnily enough, I'm now revisiting a lot of those tracks um, and rebuilding them or, or you know, things that I'd, I'd never, you know, I'd thought, oh, that's a great sample. I've never used it. Now I'm going back. Graveyard. You went back to the graveyard then, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it, it's kind of like all that work there is now paying off where um, I've got a whole load of stuff lined up, um, some really, really great tracks um, that I'm just now putting together. Um, and it's kind of the, the bootlegs have allowed me to do that. So the, the, uh, I've built up this, this, um, this following through giving away the free downloads of the bootlegs. Um, and now it's like, right, OK, now's the time to get the the uh, original productions out there. Mm -hmm. So I've been working on a lot of those, polishing a lot of those off, um, just signed on today to, to a great label. Um, so, yeah, so 
I mean, I had my, my debut EP came out a few weeks ago on uh, Hot Digits, which is lovely, you know, Guy Fingerman runs, runs it, great label. Um, and that was the first original productions I put out uh, under Jetbury Jack. Uh, but there's going to be a, a yeah, it's going to be a lot more, a lot more definitely. Um, and it's not so much that I'm um, consciously moving away from the bootlegs. Uh, I will still be putting bootlegs out. It will just be that there'll be a, a bit more, um, you know, with the weekly release schedule that I've set myself. It, chances are, whereas it used to be every week was a bootleg, now it's going to be, right, bootleg, then official remix, then original track, then a DJ mix, then another bootleg. So it's, it's <laughs> a bit more variety now. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really I'm really embracing that. I, I love the fact now that um, I've got different facets that I can be working on. So I can, uh, you know, uh, working on a bootleg feels very different to working on, a, on an official remix or an original track. Um, so it's really nice to have that um, uh, diversity, that you know, uh, just finding things which fit in different boxes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's really cool to see you just now releasing originals because you know, in America, probably about oh maybe five six years ago, SoundCloud remixing blew artists up. You know, some of the biggest American artists. I'm not sure if you've heard of Blau before but he was releasing these mashups and remixes and he became really popular and like you was crafting his sound kind of in the background and then became really big on his original music. So it's a proven formula and I respect you and commend you for doing that, sir. And I'm excited to hear you continue developing that sound as well. I love it. Cool. Great. Thank you, man. Thank you. I'm excited too. And it's, it's, um, it's just so nice to be working with, with artists, you know, real, real artists who you can communicate with rather than, you know, with the bootlegs. Obviously, I'm not going to be able to get Madonna on the phone and, and <laughs> she thinks of the remix, but, um, yeah. It's, like I, it. I, She'd like it. I'll speak for her. Okay. But, um, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. And I love that I'm working with, with people from all over the world. It's, it's um, that's just such a great thing, you know, it's so nice um, and, a, and a fairly new thing, you know, only in the last decade or so that, that you've been able to do that. Absolutely. Well, Adriel, across all the millions of plays you've racked in, maybe even now including the originals, are any tracks that mean the most to you, whether it be a remix or an original? Uh, I mean, it's, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it's always the one that you're working on. You know, the one that's coming out next is, is the one that you, that you uh, yeah. are feeling the most. And I think that's kind of the way it should be, really. I, I don't really look back that much. I don't. Mm. I don't really go back and, and you know, once I finish something, I, I try and move on from it. Um, I mean, I, really, I think a tune is never really finished. Like, there's always something more you can do to it. Like, and, and it's so easy to get stuck in that trap. And as I say, you know, time management is such a huge thing for me that I really, I really like to just sort of put things to bed and, and done. Um, having said that, if I do then... Um, go and, and listen to you know if I do listen to an old track and think oh actually this really does need an update um then I will go and do that and you'll see on my SoundCloud I've, I've, and, and that's what I love about SoundCloud actually is that you can replace a track you can you can have you know the same track but then replace the audio um so occasionally I will go back and, and just uh tidy up a track or do a do a new version of it and you, you know I've got the, these disco dubs which I started putting out this year mm -hmm. which are basically just going back to to some of my mo most um uh popular bootlegs and just stripping them right down mm -hmm. again from scratch 
almost remixing the remix. Um, and uh, that was great fun. Really enjoyed that. I'm sure I'll do a few more of those. Um, but it's just, um, I'm, I'm always trying to trying to move move on to the next thing. Um, so yeah, I've, I do have some real favourite tracks at the moment, but none of them are out yet. <laughs> so. Okay, good. Well then, people got to stay tuned. I'm excited to hear, sir. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I want to I want to ask you more about uh, being a live DJ. You've got so many years of experience, and and this is a two part question. The first part is, you know, having all these ups and downs in the music industry, like you said, when it was vinyl, and then that just fell through the floor. You had to restart. What keeps you coming back as a DJ producer in the electronic game, with all the things that can come in your way? Is there is there a real visceral component that you love the most about it? And if so, what is it? So, I mean, for me, if I knew that no one was ever going to listen to any of my music ever again, I would still be making it. Okay. I, I, make, I, make music from, from, I make music for other people, but I also make it for myself. It's, it's the process of making music, which yeah. is uh, what I love, um, you know. Um, so everything else is a bonus. So yeah. uh, for me it's make you know making the music is the thing for me um as far as djing it's a bit more um djing is a bit more up and down where um you have good nights and you have not so good nights um you know in the, in the studio kind of every day in the studio is a good day really you, you never kind of <laughs> walk away and think oh that was you know uh, that didn't really go well uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah with djing you know you 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 never know what, what you're going to get. And it, it's almost that um, not knowing, which is kind of addictive. It's like, it's, it's almost like when you go to a gig as a punter, you're like, is this going to be a good gig? Is it going to be a bad gig? You don't know. You're kind of excited. You know, uh, am I going to be disappointed? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that it's that buzz, which, um, which keeps me coming back to DJing. Um, and also the thing of making something yourself in the studio and then going out and playing it maybe the same day, you know, which, uh, and getting a reaction, you, you really can't beat that. You know, that it's, it's very, you know, cause that's the, that's the whole thing about, um, DJing is that it's, it's instant, you know, you, you play something and you get a reaction. Whereas if you're in a studio, you play something, you kind of have to wait or maybe play right. something. Um, but that's about as instant as you can get if you if you can make something in the studio and then go and play it out. Um, so yeah, I love that. It sounds like the the 11 and 12 year old Adriel inside of you is still there in a very real way. The bass player and the kid who was going to the Dove Clubs at 12 years old then, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, look, mate, nothing, nothing, this is the same guitar. This is the same bass from when I was 11. Wow. Uh, you'll hear on all the, the Jeffrey chat tracks. So, yeah, no, I think it's very it's very important to, to keep hold of that. You know, I think people often take music a bit too seriously. Like, music's hugely important. Yeah. But we're not curing cancer. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's supposed to be, it, it's the entertainment industry. You know, the entertainment is the key word here. You're, yep. you're just trying to make, as much fun as possible and that should be for yourself as well as your audience i think absolutely now i want to i want to get a little deeper on actually uh sort of your experiences as a dj in england you know in america as i'm sure you can imagine and similar to europe too there are a lot of people with different preferences as far as i as i've learned from people that i've interviewed and my own experiences in europe and england 
people are a lot more accepting to house music. And in America, that's why your music works so well, Adriel, is because you bridge that gap of house music and a song that you can sing along to, right? And that's where it's really, really working well here, at least in Chicago, is I can play it at an actual club and I can also play it at an outdoor bar type thing. Yeah. Off that statement, what sort of similarities or differences do you experience when you DJ or have in the past? Does it uh, work or not? Do you mean between different countries or just within? Yeah, yeah. Like from my experience, my story there, is it similar for you? Sure. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And it kind of goes back to what, what I was saying earlier that when I first started making these remixes, the bootlegs, um, was because I was DJing to such diverse crowds. Yeah. Uh, and um, there were, yeah, I mean, uh, there, there were a lot of places I was DJing where I couldn't just bang out some house music, yeah. which, which I would have loved to have done. Um, and you have to be mindful of that. You know, you have to, uh, again, you have to entertain yourself, but you're there to entertain the crowd. Um, and so, yeah, it was for me, it kind of started with like, um, okay, here's a tune that people want to, that I know people want to hear. Is there a way of presenting it in a, in a way where I don't feel like I'm compromising my own taste and style? Um, and maybe a section of the crowd will be like, oh, this is this is cool, but the majority of the crowd probably won't even notice. Like they'll probably even <laughs> won't realize that it's a remix. You know, they're just like, oh, they just hear the bit that they remember and they sing along to it, and that's that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's absolutely fine. I'm totally cool with that. I don't, you know, I'm not snobby at all about things like that. You know, right. um, and you know, I think because of the, that whole style, that, I, that, that niche that I, I got into, I, I did get a lot of or do get a lot of wedding bookings and things like that. And it's great. You know, some of the best gigs I've done have been weddings because, the, you know, people have this thing in their head about weddings and wedding DJs. I think it's probably worse in America, to be fair. Yeah. And here people are a bit more um, kind of uh, maybe bohemian about it where, you know, they're, they, it's okay to have a wedding where you don't hear the, you know, those songs, which, you know, the traditional wedding songs. Oh, that's not how it goes in America, my friend. Exactly. <laughs> so I get a lot of people approaching me um, saying, you know, you know, people maybe in their 30s who, or 20s even, who go clubbing a lot and are like, look, we don't want to hear the, the regular wedding set that every other DJ plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, when I play at a wedding, I know that everyone from the teenagers to the elderly people are going to be dancing because yeah. I'm going to cater for all of you, you know, you're, and, and it sounds like, well, how are you going to do that? But you can, you know, you can do it. You can do it. It's hard, but you can do it. Um, and, and even when I, if, if I'm playing, a, if I am doing a multi-genre set, which is a bit more rare these days, I used to do a lot more, um, say in a bar or a small club. Right. And that's when I try and build it's like you know almost building a wedding vibe in in a in a club you know you want people to just feel like they're at a party you know a party rather than a club yes that's that's what i try and do um so and even if i'm playing a a more traditional nightclub or a bigger nightclub um i always want it to be first and foremost fun 
you know, for me, it's not about, it's never about playing the, you know, the, the, the Traxel's top 20, you know, oh, this, this is an exclusive promo that's not going to come out. <laughs> you don't know, you know, that's just a bit self-indulgent, I, I feel. Yeah. Uh, I, I like to, to give people what they want, but then also something that they, that they, maybe didn't know they wanted or you know just something a bit unexpected um so um yeah i mean you can you can you can find sort of live sets that you know live recordings of sets i've done or videos of sets i've done um and i think people will kind of get the get the picture if you, if you listen to those sort of things um whereas on the other side of it you know i do this radio show on set of false radio once a month and that's much more uh, connoisseur you know just straight house and disco right um but yeah i mean you'll 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 hear the sets i've got online which um can uh, yeah very very eclectic but um i think now i'm sort of very much focused on on disco house and uh, that sort of sound you know i like you use the word cater because i think of that too right like it's basically a one-man show except we're cooking for an entire group of people that all likes different types of food, right? So you gotta think, all right, well, these, this side likes a little bit more spicy, but I gotta have a little bit more sweet over here, right? And that's probably the most difficult but fun part about being a DJ, right? Is not only trying to stay true to yourself, and I think you've done an amazing job by creating your actual own remixes and sound, but also by trying to please the masses. So I relate to you there, sir, I really do. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a tough job that that um, specific window of DJing it's very um, it's very hard to nail um, without going into the cheesy territory yeah. uh, it's easy to go cheesy yeah um, so but but again I'm, as I say I'm doing less and less sets like that now anyway because the, the crowd kind of now kind of know what what to expect when they, you know, we're, we're, the sort of sets I'm talking about when people come and they've got no idea who's DJing. You know? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Now, uh, Angel, you mentioned earlier you're an award-winning screenwriter and director. Can I hear more about that? How long have you been doing that for? Yeah, um, so not as long as the music. I've um, been doing it probably about 10 years now, okay. uh, uh, which in writing terms isn't actually that, that long a career. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's a bit, I, I don't know how, how much detail you want to go into, but basically yeah. um, I didn't know anything about, about the whole scene. I knew I could write, I, I did a bit of uh, music journalism, uh, I, I was kind of published music journalist, um, so, so I knew I could write. Um, and then I had an idea for a script and I wrote a script, which was a TV um, comedy drama. Wow. And first thing I'd ever written, and it got uh, optioned, which means it got it got uh, picked up by a big production company. Um, they bought it, which is kind of unheard of, like for for someone's first script to be to be picked yeah, up. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, and it was actually uh, so an, an amazing producer who who's very well, you know, TV producer who's very well known in this country. Uh, but you would probably know him as an American. Uh, he was. Um, Tracy Ullman's husband. Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead. Okay, sorry, I thought you might know Tracy Ullman. Okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, and um, so that was the start of it, really. Uh, I then wrote and directed a few independent films, um, and uh, now uh, 
I also did some documentaries and uh, now, yeah, just sort of writing for TV and um, just done something for the BBC and um, yeah, it's, uh, I love it. <laughs> Full streams of revenue. I like you. You're an entrepreneur <laughs> in many different ways and a true creative, sir. I, uh, I, I wanted to ask that because I actually went to college for design and production. I, I did some screenwriting and some uh, short film production and stuff like that too. And uh, I, I have a day job that's just sales and just it's it's kind of a thing where you have to try different things and it's interesting when i try and do creativity in other creativity fields it helps me get inspired in other creative fields do you feel that happens with your music and your screenwriting together absolutely this is i mean this is something that i talk about a lot more with um people in the in the tv and film world than in the music world yeah um, but people, when I'm meeting with, with people in the TV and film industry, they're always very interested in the music, yeah. in my music background. And I always, uh, I, I love talking about it and how the two cross over. And there's, there's a lot more crossover than people would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, li- li- doing a, doing a two-hour set is exactly the same as writing a two-hour movie. Like it's it's there's no there's no difference in the in the um, arc, you know. I like that the ebbs and flows, the highs and lows, yeah. Absolutely, uh, and also, also um, it it's with writing a hugely important thing is rhythm, mm-hmm. uh, uh, particularly in dialogue. You know, good dialogue has a rhythm, which you'll know, you know, from Quentin Tarantino or from David Mamet. Yeah. Uh, mm, so there, I feel that there's a there's a, a, a lot. My music informs the way I do music informs the way that I write hugely, huge. And again, it's all about fun for me. Even if I'm writing something dramatic, it's there's got to be an element of fun in there. It's got to be enjoyable um, to read and to write. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think there there are some some ways in which. My music is informed by by my writing, but I think it's much more the other way around, really. Um, I think that yeah, but it's um, it's it's just so nice to be able to do both. And I mean, one que- one question I get asked a lot is if you had to choose one, which would you do? And particularly by people in the, the music and film industry. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I haven't quite reached a point where I have to choose. Um, and I, I really hope I don't reach that point, but it, it, <laughs> I'm perfectly honest, it, it, it's, uh, yeah, my time is very, very stretched at the moment, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Two great things that you're least passionate about, right? It's not like you got to be a real world worker or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I really hope I don't have to choose between them because uh, <laughs> I love them both. I think just from talking to you right now, even if you had to choose one or the other, I think one would still be involved in the background, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you don't have to choose, my man, you don't have to. Good, good. Thank you. <laughs> one creative to the next. Yeah. Uh, now, Adriel, I want to ask you, with, with, again, so many years of experience, you've seen so many changes. I mean, to talk to someone who really got started in the vinyl game and then see it go to all digital and now fast forward through all these genres that have come and gone, and house really been like this the whole time, right? It's continuously gotten bigger. It's never taken a downturn. And now I feel we're at this axis where house music and pop are overlapping. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And, and that's, that's where I'm at from a production standpoint, from a DJ standpoint, 
and from people I talk to all over the world. And it seems to be universal that they think this is the next turning point. What's your opinion on where music is going in the next decade, let's say, if you can answer? Well, I think the, putting the genres aside, I think the, the main way that music has changed um, over the last, let's say, 10, 20 years mm-hmm. is it was very, very clear um, in the analog days what the prevailing genres of music were. We, we all knew what the big scenes were, what the, you know, what, uh, what oh, there's a music genre, or, 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 oh, this is cool now. And, um, and I think really that's been watered down a lot. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's a bad thing or a good thing, but I think that there's so many people making music and listening to music that actually it's impossible to keep track of it all you know to keep a keep a hold on it all and you're always going to find little corners you know little pockets of people who are really into this very specific type of music and and others who are into this so i think that will just carry on i think that there's there's always going to we're at a point now where there's always going to be a market for every type of music uh you know i don't think things will quite die in the way that they used to you know when 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 jungle died when garage died like these were it was like it was seismic you know it was like you you, you were going to raves every weekend and then <laughs> you weren't you know yeah um and i don't really see that happening i think that um if anything it will get more and more niche where where people will be so specific i mean you're seeing it with with disco now that even disco is becoming splintered where there's you know, the term disco now covers such a wide spectrum of music um, and people are very specific about what they like. Some people like disco house. Some people like disco that's really far removed from house. Right. Um, so, but there's there's room for everyone, you know, I think. Um, and in terms of in terms of pop, I'm very, very out of the loop. I really, you know, for a long time, I've... I, I knew everything that was going on in, in you know, in the, in the mainstream uh, music because I had to, because, you know, DJing in those sort of venues. Um, but I'm very, very, very out of touch now with that sort of stuff. And I, I just do do what I do. And, and I think that's, um, you know, I don't know if that is universal or, or what, but I think people, it's very easy now to live in your bubble and to just be like, look, this is what I like and this is who I'm following. And, uh, then that's all that you see, um, and it's it's a good thing because it means that you're you're getting what you want. It's not such a good thing because it means that you're not getting as much influence from other genres. Um, so I think that's kind of it's important to seek out other music. Um, maybe not so much in the mainstream, but you know um, I think it's it's always important to see what's what what people are playing, what's going on. Um, especially outside your your comfort zone, um, and one really good thing about the about this whole lockdown um, is all, obviously all the live streams that DJs have been doing. Um, everyone's on an equal footing, so um, you know I scroll through my my Facebook feed and it's Louis Vega, and then it's someone I've never heard of. Yeah, right. And if that if that person who I've never heard of is playing stuff that's more interesting to me than Louis Vega, then I'll listen to that person. Even if there's only three people watching, one of them is going to be me. Right. And I've I've discovered so many 
DJs over the last few weeks. And I'm talking about completely unknown DJs. People are literally just, you know, obviously everyone's DJing in their bedroom now, but yeah, who've yeah. never DJed outside their bedroom, but they're playing amazing stuff. And uh, for me, that that's exciting. You know, I love that. I love finding finding someone. Wow, look at this person. They're playing, you know, just great stuff. Um, and uh, I would much rather do that than listen to, uh, you know. Not putting anyone down, but you know, like Carl Cox or you know, whatever, you know, that's great, you know, fantastic. Yeah. But I kind of have an idea of what what I'm going to hear if I listen to to that sort of stuff. I I relate with that so much, and if you think about it, if it was opposite things, right? Like if Louis Vega or Carl Cox was playing at a club and some unknown DJ, people are going to go to the Louis Vega club, right? Yeah. And now everybody's everybody's got their own club, and you said everybody's on the ground level together, everybody's on the bench, right? Every single DJ, you could be Calvin Harris, you could be Jet Boo Jack, you could be Sherm. We're all on the bench. Nobody's playing. Season suspended, right? Absolutely. And when football comes back, it, we're going to have to see who was training in the offseason. And that's kind of how I've been looking at it. You yeah. know, you can, you can try all these different types of things, and there are people who are, are maybe working on music or having trouble finding inspiration, but you said it right. And this is a time for people to discover new DJs like yeah. yourself. No, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, like you say, if, if you're in a club and there's only three people, uh, you're probably going to walk out. But if you're on a live stream, and there's only three people. It doesn't it really doesn't matter. You know? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Now I want to ask uh, again, with all your years of experience, you've had a lot of obstacles to overcome. Is there anyone that's significant to you um, that you maybe even still think about today, and how did you get over? How did you get through it? Any obstacles? Yeah, and a big obstacle. I mean, uh, you know, maybe time management, like you said, trying to manage screenwriting and directing and still producing music and everything else, too. I know you're very active as well, too. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's a tricky one. I mean, I w- actually, I would say probably the biggest obstacle in specifically in London is just finding enough DJ work. I think there's just so many DJs. Um and a lot of the clubs have been closed down. Yeah. Uh, not, you know, I'm talking about pre, pre-lockdown. God knows how many are going to actually reopen. Yeah. After. yeah. Um, so it's, it's, very, um, it's very competitive um, and not in, a, not in a good way. <laughs> you know, I think that people are, I think it's, it's something which kind of culturally separates uh, the UK from, from, America is that in America, I think people, from my experiences anyway, people are much more um, happy to help each other out. Uh, to you know, um, if people see someone doing something good, then they're like, oh man, how can I be part of this? How can I help you? How can we do stuff? Whereas in London, specifically London, people see something, someone doing something good. It's like well, why are why aren't I, you know, why aren't I there? Why are they there and I'm not there? You know, and, yeah. and people are a little bit more um, just not not as willing to 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 help, and that's kind of understandable because the sheer numbers that you're talking about uh, in America, um, just you know, the population, um, there's room for, for everyone to do whatever they want. You know, whereas in London, it's um, Whatever scene you're involved in, chances are there's 20 DJs at the top 
and they'll get 90% of the work. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. I, I've heard that before. And, you know, specifically in Chicago, the Midwest, this part of the country, you know, friendly people willing to help out. And, you know, even in bigger cities like New York and Los Angeles, it does have that competitiveness where there's at least 100 guys before you, right? But I think when it comes down to it, I really respect your mantra of doing it for the love of the music, right? Specifically, being a DJ can be very tough if you're just a DJ. But if you separate yourself by either producing or you're a special type of DJ, if you're someone like myself who does podcasts, you got to be a little more than just a DJ these days. And it's, it's, it's hard to differentiate yourself if you're just a DJ because there's no barrier to entry, right? Back in your day, when you're first getting started, you got to buy records, you got to carry those things around. Now you can just have a USB. You can have a, a computer that tells you if you're on beat. You can bring these. You can bring whatever headphones your mom might buy. You can it at 16 years old, and you can use that same thing on the biggest festival in the world. Yeah, so, yeah. the times they've changed, but it's saturated the market, and it's an interesting perspective too because I do I do hear that again, like I said, in uh, London and New York and LA, but Chicago, um, there's a smaller market. It's concentrated, but everyone is willing to help each other out. Hmm. No, that's that's good to hear, man. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, you're absolutely right, though. It it, it is a, a lot about um, differentiating differentiating yourself from from uh, everyone else. Something I I've uh, done to try and do that is um, I've just recently launched a live band, which wow. uh, yeah, which is uh, I mean, it was before lockdown, um, so obviously it's on kind of on hold now. But um, yeah, it's all female. Uh, live band, very talented uh, um, musicians. Um, so I've got a guitar player, sax player, and two vocalists, um, and we replay um, the bootlegs that I make. We replay them live. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you go on, if you go online. You can find. Uh, we did a promo video, um, which came out really, really well. Really pleased with that. Um, so yeah, I mean that that was that's something that I've launched to try again, just try and make. Uh, I think that the whole thing is trying to make more of a show rather than a gig, if that makes sense. Um, so you really want to try and make it as uh, as interactive and as special. You know, people want something special. They want to you know they want to know that what they've just seen is is unique and um, you know it's. it's never going to be able to recreate that exactly again um so and, and again fun you know fun is, is just so important for me is, is just how can you make something more fun you know? yeah Adrian, you said it earlier this is the entertainment industry yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> that it's as simple as that and it's clear that you're in it for the right reasons and it's it's uh, again, an honor to hear your story and talk to you about this stuff. Is, is there anything you'd like to promote that's coming up? Obviously, you just said you've got some original music. That's your favorite track you've ever made. When can we expect these sort of things? So um, I've got a big track, um, which is out this week, which is the biggest artist I've remixed so far, which is Nightcrawlers, uh, who you might remember from Push the Feeling On. Yeah. <laughs> so um so i connected with them uh on instagram all places and uh turned out that the the, the singer there was, was a big fan of what i'm doing so um done a remix for them which is yeah out this week 
Uh, and I'm very, very, very happy with it. It's, it's, yeah, really, really happy with it. It's called All Night Long. Um, it's very, very disco. Um, and then we've also done another track together, um, which uh, we haven't signed to a label just yet. We're kind of still looking around. Um, but it's another big one. That one's called Dynamite. That'll be a big one. Um, and then I'm doing another one with them as well. So I'm sure that'll be an ongoing relationship there. I mean, that, this is what I'm really, I, I mean, when I was 14 uh, was when Nightcrawlers first came out and uh, you know, specifically, you know, it was such a huge track for everyone, you know. Um, so to, 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 you know, if I'd known then that I'd be working with them one day, that would, you know, it would have blown my mind. But so it, I just think, uh, anything you say about the digital age it's just extraordinary that I can connect with with people like that and and uh, collaborate and and uh, form working relationships which is amazing that's awesome congratulations that's huge yeah that's for last didn't you that's amazing <laughs> yeah Nightcrawlers are back there you go <laughs> yeah they are well it has been such a pleasure talking to you um, again I really do appreciate the time and I will keep spreading the good word of Jet Boo Jack. And I guarantee a lot of my Chicago friends, especially DJs, when I say Jet Boo Jack is coming on the show, we all see you on Hyped It. So keep doing your thing, sir. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I really, really hope it's not too long before I manage to get out there. And, you know, I was planning a U.S. tour before lockdown. I really, really hope that uh, I get the opportunity to do that at some point. <laughs> Let's stay in touch. I've got a lot of great connections here, and um, you're, you're not you're not hard to sell because you, you've got the resume, you've got the experience, and you've got the music, my friend. Oh, fantastic. Well, keep doing what you're doing. I think it's really important. Uh, you know, Thank you. It's great to see you doing this. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great to connect with someone who's six hours ahead of time right now on the other side of the world. So it was awesome. You have a great day, and I'll talk to you soon, sir. Take care, man. Cheers. Bye, Andrew.